0: Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel 30. This will be a short sermon because of the Lord's Supper before us. I understand that. If you'll allow me a few more points and traits of David's life. The ones we've covered so far today, David loved the works of God. He loved music. He went above and beyond in serving the Lord. And he was gentle and tender in his relationships. Of course, he wasn't when someone had sinned and was an enemy of God. And that doesn't count. I hope that's understood. And when you're in authority, you've got to deal with those under your authority differently than on a peer level where he was very kind to others. You know, he took out Joab and he he took out Shimei and Solomon was wise enough to take out Adonijah. But he was gentle and tender. Okay, 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6 is the event that I've referred to today about David cresting a hill and coming to Ziklag and finding his wives and children gone and taken and his men wanted to stone him. Verse 6 tells us David was greatly distressed. You haven't been distressed like this. You think you were, but you weren't. David was greatly distressed. Nobody's wanted to stone you before and you hadn't lost everything. And I'm not trying to make light of your difficulties. I just want us to always be realistic about our lives and not let a fiery dart tell us that we've got some exceptional difficulty. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And this is what we want to remember about him. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He was not deterred by setbacks. He was not deterred by setbacks. If at first you don't succeed, then try, try again. Should we apply that little saying to moving the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Jehovah God? Yes, we should. Because David tried to move it one time, and God rained on that parade and killed a man named Uzzah. But David moved it again just a few months later when he saw that the Lord was blessing the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite because that Ark was in his garage next to a fishing boat. He moved the ark twice, though he was fearful. And he said he was fearful. How will I be able to move this thing? But he got encouraged and did it again, only a few months later. That is a great man. That is different character than many that could have used the excuse, it's too scary, it's too fearful, I'm just going to leave it there. He paid for the temple when he couldn't build it. He wasn't deterred by the setback of Nathan coming in and saying, nope, God doesn't want you to build the temple. You're a man of war, you've got blood dripping off your hands. How's would that discourage you? Oh, you poor thing. It didn't discourage David. Have you read 2 Samuel 7? It is the best conversation in the Bible between a man and God. It's David and God talking about this temple, and David was not discouraged. He was not deterred by setbacks. He still loved God in spite of 15 years of trouble running like a dog from King Saul. There he was anointed as a teenager, but he was 30 when he became king, and Israel submitted to him. That's a long time. How long does it take for you to get discouraged? Let's be honest. Instead of 15 years, it's more like 15 seconds, I hear, 15 minutes. Can you last 15 hours? That's a long time. 15 years. He's like Joseph, isn't he? Joseph down there in Egypt. He was not destroyed by his sins and self-pity, but he committed to get busy for God. He went back to work on projects for God after returning from the exile due to Absalom. He knew why he was being chased out of Jerusalem. He knew that God was with Absalom for the moment to bless him, to punish him for his past sins. He knew that, but as soon as Absalom was dead and he had Israel reunited, he was back in Jerusalem gathering again for the temple. He wasn't deterred by setbacks. Every single one of you have had setbacks. I know about a little tiny few of them. You know about more. But let's not be deterred, discouraged, or set back or destroyed by them. You can be cast down a little bit. Then you're like Paul. We'll settle for that. If you're like Paul by being cast down a little bit in 2 Corinthians 4 and about verse 9, that's okay. But let's not be destroyed. He wasn't destroyed. How fast could Saul get destroyed? One second. Where's Samuel? Five, four, where's Samuel? Three, two, one, give me a knife, I'm going to offer a sacrifice. That's how it happened. Right. One second. Saul would be discouraged and is scared of the Philistines and scared of the people because the people wanted to know, what are we going to do? The Philistines are coming. And so he offers a sacrifice, and as soon as he offered the sacrifice, guess who appeared? Amen. There's Samuel. That happened more than once. It's that's 1 Samuel 13 and 1 Samuel 15 right. where you can find Samuel catching Saul. We don't want to be like that. Don't be discouraged by setbacks. We all have setbacks. Do you know why we have setbacks? First of all, the first cause of setbacks. I know that God is the first cause of all things, but we have setbacks because we chose setbacks in the Garden of Eden. Right. Right. So blame yourself first. Never blame God. Right. Never blame God. And then we have setbacks because God is chastening us and in faithfulness he's afflicting us to make us better by some setbacks. Right. And then we have setbacks because we're fools and we cost ourselves dearly by stupid decisions that we make, not ruling our spirit and getting ourselves in trouble. So don't blame anybody. And don't let the, start over. The Lord loves men that start over. He took care of David starting over so many times. How's this for starting over in 1 Samuel 30? When it hits him against 600. And he starts over by encouraging himself in the Lord. Okay, that was number 30 out of our number. He understood hatred. It is politically, socially, and religiously incorrect to hate in this effeminate generation. Legislators have actually taken time to make hate a crime of its own. What? Why? Of course, exceptions will be made for Bible Christians that talk and live the Bible. Do you all understand that? Hate crimes apply to everyone else but us. And they do hate us. And the more we talk and the more we live publicly, the more they hate us. Of course, exceptions are made for hardworking, monogamous, successful men as well in this generation. It is folly to love a thing without hate hating the opposite thing. And the Bible uses that so often. And look at Psalm 97 and verse 10. David understood hatred being a valid character trait. And we should learn that. Psalm 97 and verse 10. Watch the uh, opposition here. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. If you love the Lord, you're going to hate evil because he hates evil and it is Entirely contrary and opposite his perfect, holy, pure nature. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Or Proverbs eight thirteen says that that um, it's a description and a definition of wisdom. Proverbs chapter eight and verse thirteen: The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth. Do I hate? Amen. And that's Lady Wisdom talking. Can a lady talk like this? A better lady than you've ever met. Lady Wisdom. You should meet her in the pages of Proverbs. Lady Wisdom hates. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. This is Lady Wisdom speaking. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. He wrote about God's own hatred of wicked men. Do you know where we find Psalm 5-5? In the book of Psalms. Written by the sweet psalmist of Israel. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. And in eleven five, and thou, God is angry with the wicked every day. Psalm seven and verse eleven, Proverbs chapter six, Solomon taught by David, said that God hates seven things, and they're listed there for us. Right. Hatred is in the Bible. We live in a generation now where you're hearing that hate is bad, hate is bad, hate is bad. No, bad things should be hated, and that everybody that loves good things hates bad things. Everyone that loves God hates sin. Everyone that loves God hates the enemies of God, as David did in Psalm 139, verses 21 and 22. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and and are they not my enemies? I hate them with a perfect hatred in Psalm 139. David understood that, and we need to understand that if we're going to be like David. This point is totally lost on modern Christians with their effeminate, heretical view of God. God abominates much and hates in the Bible. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 32. Abomination is a pretty strong word. Abominate is the verb rather than the participle. It's, a, it's the verb to abominate something, and God abominates things. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 32, For the froward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. Look at the different relationship that God has toward the froward and with the righteous in Proverbs three thirty-two that I just read in chapter 11, in verse 20. They that are of a froward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. He he despises, abominates, hates, and he loves, blesses, and delights in different men on how they live. It's the word of God. David understood it. David wrote about it, and David felt the same way. Look at Proverbs 29, in verse 10. This is a an important point about your worldview, your worldview of how this world functions and why there is so much enmity and why there are hate crimes. You all should be able to remember why hate crimes came into existence and what they're used for mostly right now, and it's for all the sexual perversions in our society and the protection that they have towards sodomites. But the Bible says some very strong things about that category of people and and a whole lot of others. But here I want to remind you that there is a conflict going on and it's always going to go on until the Lord Jesus Christ returns and then he will crush all his enemies. Here's what it says, Proverbs 29.10. The bloodthirsty hate the upright. Murderers hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. Just men are always wanting to help an upright man, but bloodthirsty wicked evil murderers men of this world hate the upright. So here's a difference in how they view an upright man. Just men love this upright man, the world vic- vicious men hate the upright man. And so there's this conflict. Same chapter, look at verse 27. An unjust man is an abomination to the just. An unjust man is abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. Do you understand that verse? There is a conflict. We are totally different from them. They hate us. We hate them. We're talking about the wicked versus the righteous. We're talking about the unjust versus the just. Him that is upright versus the wicked. From Cain killing Abel or the Jews crucifying Jesus, it is devil's hate. John 8:44 tells us that Jesus told his apostles, "If they hated me, they're going to hate you." Because I'm their master. They're going to hate you, because it's part of this world. Look at Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Here's a description of people that are worthy to stand in the presence of God by their practical righteousness. Proverbs 15 and verse four. It's a description. It's a list of character traits. I love this psalm. I wish this psalm were preached instead of all these little invitations of making a decision for Jesus instead of having this kind of a changed life. The question is asked in verse 1, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Then those questions are answered in verses 2 through 5 by character traits. And the character trait I'm after right now is verse 4. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, There are vile men all over our land in whose eyes a righteous man when he looks at vile men and sees them and reads about them in the news contemns them but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. There is a great distinction made in how they view other people based on their conduct. There it is. How about Psalm 16? Totally different. This is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ but it includes David. Verse 2, O my soul, Thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent, in whom is all my delight. David set himself to love the excellent that are in the earth, God's saints. He wasn't good enough to be able to add anything to the to God, but he was, he was able to help those that were on earth. And so this distinction runs, in the words of David and the words of his son Solomon in the books that they wrote. David wrote Psalm 52 against Doeg the Edomite, the man who killed the priests of God. It's called his invective, one of his invective psalms. Ter- strong language against the enemy of the priests. I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Does that kind of language bother you? That is the sweet psalmist of Israel. And so I say to you, one of his traits is he understood hatred. If you're going to love God, hate evil. If you're going to love God, hate evil men. If you're going to love his word, hate every false way. If you're going to love his law, I, I forgot it. Hate vain thoughts. Psalm 119 and 113. How young was he when he developed this? When he happened in the battlefield and he heard Goliath opening his bad breath mouth of the Philistines and blaspheming the God of Israel, what did he want to do about it? Take his head off. Is there not a cause? Because he sees that difference all the time and we want to see that difference. More could be said on that subject. It has been said. It's here. It will be said at some time. One more verse. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. That is the sweet psalmist of Israel. Did we just have a point that he was gentle and tender? And then we have this point. Are they in the same man? Absolutely. Are they contradictory? Not at all. If you're gentle and tender toward the righteous and toward those that are weak and those that are oppressed, then you're going to be strong against oppressors. You're going to be against the bloodthirsty. And David was. Okay, number 32. He loved the righteous. I hope you already saw that. You're you're at Psalm 15, I believe. Look at that fourth verse again. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned. That's understanding hatred. But look look what it says next but he honoreth them that fear the lord david loved the righteous look at psalm 101 it was a year or two ago or who knows how long i can't keep track of time anymore cuz it's going so fast but on a wednesday evening i took you through psalm 101 and had great pleasure doing so psalm 101 is david's commitment of how he would live and it is a great life chapter or a passage for you to commit yourself to. I just quoted the third verse. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. That's the negative side of understanding hatred. That's, that's the previous point. But now I want to move to the fact that he loved the righteous. He says in verse 4 A froward heart shall depart from me. I don't want them around me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. Then he goes negative again. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. But you notice in verses In verse 6, mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. I will bring him into my circle. My eyes will see them. I will identify them and I will help them. And that's the way that we ought to be. Look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I hope you know this verse. David said, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. It's verse 63 of Psalm 119. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. That's why we refer to ourselves as like precious faith. That is from 2nd Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. But here we have David showing us that character trait of his, his love of the righteous. He hated the wicked? Right. He loved the righteous. He condemned the wicked. He wanted to help the righteous. And so here in the middle of those, these 176 verses about the words of God, it says one of the ways David loved the words of God was to love those that love them. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. And if you move ahead a few verses to number 79, verse 79 says something similar. Let those that fear thee Turn unto me and those that have known thy testimonies. Notice the word fear in verse 63 and precepts. In verse 79, it's fear and testimonies. Those that fear God and love his words, they're mine. I'll take care of them. Let them turn unto me. We will make a strong band together. And that is how you pick friends. This is how you pick friends. Liam, this is how you pick friends. Verse 63 and verse 79, I just thought I'd pick on you this time. You weren't doing anything wrong, nothing at all. In fact, you were looking at me, and that makes me very happy. (laughs) But these are verses on how we should pick friends. Sawyer, it's your turn. I want to have mercy on Liam. This is how we pick friends. 63 tells us how to pick a friend. I am a companion of all them that fear thee, so you want to find some other young men that fear God, and of them that keep thy precepts, they obey God's word. And then verse 79, let those that fear thee turn unto me. Anybody that fears God, they can be my friend. I'm there for them. And those that have known thy testimonies. They know the word of God. They love it. They read it. They memorize it. Well, that's it. There's three more character traits of David. What were they? He wasn't deterred by setbacks. We can be cast down but not destroyed. Were there events in the Apostle Paul's life that should have cast him down? Yes, would they have destroyed us? Most likely, how many times? But he would just get, he would just get up. When we say the words "get up," how many times do you have to get up from a stoning? Right. right, He had to, and he did, and he went right on doing the very thing that got him stoned in the first place, and that is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's not be deterred by setbacks. David encouraged himself in the Lord. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We will get discouraged. We have those thoughts, discouraging thoughts that enter us. We want to hold up the shield of faith. The Lord is with me. He has been with me. He will be with me. He has told me to wait for him in the land of the living, that he will yet be with me. Hope thou in God. He shall be the strength of thy countenance. Hold up that shield of faith and shut down those fiery darts of quitting. He understood hatred. If you are going to love wisdom, then you hate folly. And you will show it by your choice of friends. You will show that I will favor these kind of people. I will not favor these kind of people. And you'll make a difference. And you'll choose your friends wisely. He understood hatred. To love God is to hate evil. To love wisdom is to hate iniquity. To love God is to hate God's enemies. And David hated them with a perfect hatred. And he understood the hatred of God. Because he's the one that wrote about it. If someone were to ask you, where does it say in the Bible that God hated or God hates the wicked. Where does it say that? You would turn to this man's writings. In Psalm 5, 5 and verse, in Psalm eleven five. 5. And then David loved the righteous. On the other side of that doctrine of a hatred or that character trait of hatred, hatred of the wicked, contemning wicked men, David loved the righteous. He was always there for them. He would serve them any way he could. He would help them. And he wanted to worship God and and be very much a part of congregational worship of the Lord. These are three more things that God has taught us today. So we have today been reminded that David loved the works of God and we should love the works of God. And they are all kinds of works. They will exhaust your mind. You will never plumb their depths. You cannot count up to God. You will not live long enough. All the benefits that he has shown us. David loved music. Make sure you have music in your life if you want to be like David. He went above and beyond in everything he did. He was gentle and tender in his relations and merciful every time that he could be. He wasn't deterred by setbacks but encouraged himself in the Lord. He understood hatred of evil and hatred of evil men, but he loved the righteous. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.